One in five adults experience mental illness or a mental health challenge each year. That adds up to around 50 million Americans each year that are affected by mental health challenges. It may be someone we love, or it may be our own mental health that we have struggled with. And as Christians, we can uniquely respond to and support people experiencing mental health challenges. Welcome back to this episode of Beyond the Moment, friends. Rebecca and I actually have a two-part episode for you as we look at mental health and the church. Together, we're going to look at ways that to respond to people struggling with mental health challenges. We'll talk about how to address mental health within our congregations and community and give you some very practical ways that you can implement some conversations within your church and share a bit of our own personal testimony. As always, we are so glad that you are here with us. Welcome to Beyond the Moment. friends. I'm Rebecca Lindhout. And I'm Amanda Martinson. And welcome to another episode of Beyond the Moment. Can we talk about what just happened? We hit record and you decided that was the right time to put your sweatshirt on because she's been cold today, y'all. She's been cold. And I'm over here. They're like, are you cold in this office? Like, no, I, I run hot. So she's over here putting her sweatshirt on right as I hit record. And y'all, you should have, I, I wish you, I just want to create the visual of you trying to get your first line out of the podcast and you have your sweatshirt on over your head. And mm-hmm. I saw for a moment, a bit of panic of, I'm not going to make it over my head in time. <laughs> like, I don't know what, what I wouldn't have made it in time for. I mean, I'm the one that's like saying, yeah, you started. <laughs> hurry, hurry. Cause you might miss yourself saying the intro. <laughs> I just. I just want to thank you. That tickled me as I as I watched you <laughs> scramble to get that over your head. <laughs> and she made it. She made I it. To entertain. <laughs> she made it, y'all. She made it. She's here. We're here. We're back. <laughs> it's good to be back. Drinking my with nice you. hot semi lukewarm cup of coffee. She's got her afternoon. Okay, coffee. so before we start, I, I need to officially lodge a complaint. Oh no. All right, y'all. Now, if you haven't already figured out our personality types, then uh, you need to go to another podcast. But <laughs> so Amanda's the very responsible person. We're both mothers. My children uh, go to school looking like, I don't know, puppets. <laughs> but she's also the person who provides um, the beverage uh mm. Mm, the beverage yeah. choices within the office and the creamer choices. I know what you're going to say. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and normally I'm like really okay with that. And, and I, and mm. I'm, I'm all for me not providing these beverage uh, creamer choices. Okay. So we've been on this uh, oat milk kick. Yeah. <laughs> now today to my surprise, I opened up the refrigerator and there's this lovely fancy looking creamer. Yeah. yeah. Carton. Mm-hmm. And I read the side of it. Yep. Amanda, this is so wrong. It says milked oats creamer. Milked oats. Okay. Amanda, yeah. how do you milk an oat? Okay, listen. This is what happened. <laughs> I, I will. I receive that complaint. I take it in. I, I, I validate it. And here's why I'm in agreement with the complaint because here's why. I cracked that thing open this morning. It was on sale at the grocery store a couple weeks ago. And you know, you and I, If okay, so Sarah was on our last episode of the podcast where we were talking about getting our bodies ready for mission. 
So I want you to know that kind of took that very seriously. And we started upping our water intake. We started doing like we started trying to eat healthier, watching our, you know, even down to what we put in our coffee. Okay. So we were very and committed. Apparently to this we process. started milking oats. We started milking oats. And here's what happened. <laughs> I saw that on sale at the grocery store. And I thought, okay, you know, like that's that's probably something that's like it's like a non-dairy creamer. That's what we've been trying to do. And I opened it this morning to put it in my coffee. And I I by the color alone, I said, well, this is not going to go well. Mm-mm. It's not going to go well. And I tried it and I was like, Mm-mm. you know why it doesn't go well? Because they are angry oats in your oat milk because they have been milked. And that yeah. is not something that should happen in nature. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I'm, I, last one I, said, I, I received the complaint and I, 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 I take it seriously. I will not get that again. I, I take my, my job as our beverage getter dispenser seriously. And I, I rebuked myself for that one because that was not a good, yeah, I knew as soon as I opened that this morning, I poured it into my coffee this morning. And I was like, oh no, it's not even really about the taste. The taste is whatever. Cause it's not, you know, it's, it's not regular yeah. hazelnut creamer. That's right. Right. I'm, I'm, it's already on a downhill slide, <laughs> but just the name alone, like there was something that happened within my body when I read that. Like I, I got a like a, a chill, like a shiver when I read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yeah, I, yeah, I, I get, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're gonna um, that might that one might get pushed to the back of the of the work fridge as a plan. Like I, we have an obligation to drink it because it's for oats. They got milk they just for us. They, their sacrifice will not be in vain. <laughs> yeah, no, right? yeah. mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. And you, I was thinking too, I just, as you're sharing that, like it's, it's so uh, good. I think to laugh about silly things like that, that happen in our everyday lives, because we're, what we're going to talk about that I think is it's, well, it's very fitting. We're going to talk about mental health. We're going to get into some stuff, as you know, or maybe you don't know, May is mental health. This is a focus on mental health month where we highlight, we talk about awareness and we educate ourselves on the issues of mental health. So I say, I say coffee to me is a part of what's good for my mental health and yours as well. I know we talk about this very often, so it's, it's on point for today. And I'm always a hundred percent like, Amanda, one of these days I'm going to bring in a creamer. Yes, I am. That's going to happen. <laughs> it will. We'll see what happens when it's left to my own devices there. Well, I feel like maybe this is God's way of saying, Rebecca, you need to take this over. <laughs> Look what happens. When she's something, <laughs> something has switched. <laughs> something, Something's not firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, I will, I, I have, I have learned my lesson. I tell you what, mm. <laughs> never again. <laughs> No milk goats for me, please. Uh, well, we are so glad to be back with y'all for another episode, y'all. We, um, so much has happened, I think, since we last had our episode. Of course, we had Sarah on, like I said, last month. And I really took a lot just away from her. I know we both did in just terms of like getting our bodies um, just ready for mission. And all of that plays into our mindset, which we talked about with Sarah when she was on um, and sort of that mindset. But we're going to continue that conversation today as we go into a look at mental health and the church and what the church's response should be and why is it important for us to even talk about this? What does this have to do with being on mission and living on mission and and all of that? So we'll sort of dive uh, dive into that today. We'll share some statistics with you um, and, and hopefully in the show notes, it will cooperate with us and let us put uh, those uh, resources and stuff in place so that you can go back and look at some of that 
yourself. But uh, like Becca, talk about too, because we have a lot of conversations about this here in the office, obviously. And we'll share some resources from National WMU and Project Help with you in the show notes so that you can access this. But let's open with just talking about why why it is important for us to even talk about mental health and not even just in May, because obviously this is a this is a focus month for mental health, but in just in our everyday life conversations, why mental health is so important for us to even talk about. Well, yeah, um, worldwide, well, yeah, worldwide, one in five adults um, experience a mental illness. And um, it can be an episode, it can be an ongoing, ongoing illness, it can, Mm -hmm. it can, a lot of things fall under the umbrella of mental illness. So um, that number is since the pandemic. it it went it shot up dramatically after after the pandemic, but one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness, and then, but you couple that with with some other statistics, and I always like to do the the three one in fives. Mm-hmm. One in five adults experience a mental illness. One in five adults um, don't know Jesus as their savior, and one in five adults don't even know a Christian. So let's say you have a a mental illness and you don't know Jesus as your savior. You don't even know, and you don't even know a Christian to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. You don't even know where to turn for your hope. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it makes just that statistic alone makes me depressed Mm -hmm. thinking about it and just imagine living that uh, experience. Mm -hmm. So um, it is, it says uh, one of the statistics is also, um, one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness. One in twenty experience serious mental illness, mm-hmm. and seventeen um, percent of of youth six to seventeen years old experience a mental health disorder. So that's a that's a huge chunk of the population. If you if you are a, if, if you are a regular church attendee, if you think about um, when I go to to churches and I and I talk about this, I just have them look on their pew. And I, and I, and I number them off and I say, one, two, three, four, five. Now look at all the people who have their hands up that were fives. That's a reflection of that national statistic. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's something that is uh, too large to ignore, but I think it's something that the church is not well, is not well prepared for Mm -hmm. uh, to have conversations around. So a lot of times it does get ignored. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's it. And we'll, we'll, we're going to look at some more statistics as we go too, but um, I think that's it is it's how do we have these conversations, these sometimes difficult conversations, what can churches do? What can we do um, as, as, as leaders, as just really just as, as fellow neighbors to, um, you know, people in our community, how can we help? What does that look like? Um, and it, just even as you were, were talking, it, it makes me think of like, you know, in there's so many term there's so many terms thrown around um, in regards to mental health and, and some of things. And some of that we'll, we'll be able to talk about, but um, Rebecca and I actually, all of our staff have been through um, a lot of mental health training. Um, and so this is sort of just sort of fresh, I think on a lot of our, our minds as we've gone through it this past year. But um, some terminology I think that's helpful as we get into this conversation today is looking at the difference in mental health 
And that is sort of a state of just this mental well-being, right? That, that your mental health enables you to cope with your, the stresses of life that come about to, you know, to realize your ability. It's how you learn well. It's how you work well. It is how you contribute to your community. That, that's your mental health, right? Is that state of mental well-being. And then I think you'll hear us today talk about um, what we call and what we refer to as mental health challenges. And, and you've already heard, you know, Rebecca talk about mental illness. And so um, if you've never heard that term before, that mental health challenge, it's a little bit different than say like a situational sadness or, um, you know, you might have situational or circumstantial fatigue or something like that. Mental health challenges are often more severe and more longer lasting, and they have a large impact on your daily life. So some of that, just what, what Rebecca was talking about. So, you know, common mental health challenges that we, that you'll often see anxiety, depression, eating disorders, um, substance use, experiencing trauma, you know, the, they can affect a person's usual way of thinking, feeling, or acting. Mental health challenges are something that interfere with your daily life. Um, not every mental health challenge will be diagnosed as a mental disorder or like Becca was saying, a mental illness, but every challenge should be taken seriously. And I think that's what we'll look at today as we look at how can we um, work together and, and being able to help people and how can the church respond. We will link in the show notes some of the mental health training that we have gone through and some of those resources if you're interested in learning more and doing some of that in, in a uh, in, in a more um, in-depth way. Uh, we'll link some of those too. But um, yeah, the one in five within the within the church experience a mental illness or mental health challenge. And like, I think if anything that we take away from this is that if you are someone who does experience a mental illness, you have had mental health challenges or you are struggling with this currently, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. And we, and I think it's something that we often feel like we are, you know, if, and it, if you've struggled with anxiety or depression or, or um, any, anything on the, on, on this spectrum, it, it can often feel like you are the only person who is dealing with that, that you are alone, that no one else can possibly understand or can help. And that can feel really isolating, especially for people, like you said, people that are sitting in our pews in church, you know? Well, I think the messaging of the church, um, and rightly so in some regards, the messaging uh, that we get on Sundays, um, it's messages like, you know, is it Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength and um, his mercies are new every morning. So I will wait with the sun. But what if you don't want to wake up in the morning? What if it's so hard to get out of bed? Mm-hmm. If you're not feeling the joy of the Lord, where does your strength come from? Mm-hmm. What it's you ask yourself all these questions like I don't fit in any of these boxes in in any of these church boxes. Mm-hmm. And um and I think that there has been a a just a neglect on the part of the church to educate um, our leadership, educate ourselves on what, what do these, what do these things mean? And, and just how uh, prevalent they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I suffered with uh, major postpartum depression, just to, from my, my perspective. I, and 
I've, I've suffered from panic attacks and, mm-hmm. you know, I was, when I was doing my mental health training, they asked, has anybody ever had a panic right. attack? Right. And, you know, I was the only person that raised my hand. Um, so I guess I was the one in five and, um, and she said, can you describe it for me? And, and I said, well, it's like, you feel like you're having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and you can tell your body that you're okay. You can mm-hmm. say it in your head. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I know everything physically is okay with me. I'm okay. I'm okay. But you, you, in your head, you know, this to be true, but you can't get your body to believe it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can't sync it up. Yep. And sometimes our heads and our bodies just don't sync up. Yep. And, um, and that is nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it is like you said, situational. Um, and at the time when I was having panic attacks, the worst was, you know, my last semester of seminary, um, mm-hmm. finishing up exams was my first, my first one, finishing my last paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, some of my anxiety, some of my greatest anxieties stem from the church. Mm-hmm. So we need to talk about how the church talks about mental health challenges, mm-hmm. but we also need to talk about how the church can be better at not contributing towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, churches often need to be a kinder place um, to one another and especially to their staff. Yeah, um, That's why there's such burnout in the church amongst pastors. It's a really, really tough job and, and a lot and in large part because there is such a tremendous, um, just such a tremendous amount of pressure yeah. um, that, that, is put on you. And and oftentimes you feel like, you know, that you serve God and you know that God is your boss, but you feel like you might have 350 bosses yeah. because everybody feels free to just give you their opinion. Right. Um, so, um, so I think it's a, it's a double, double-edged thing. We've mm-hmm. got to, we've got to talk about how we can help those with mental health disorders, but we also have to talk about how we can be a kinder place in the church period. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And in you and I have shared, you know, bits and pieces of our personal testimonies on here throughout some of the episodes and things about, you know, uh, being honest about um, having experiences with panic attacks and and anxiety. And, and I, I think it's good for us to say those things because someone else that's listening goes, Oh, they, they have felt that too. And, um, I think it's good for us to have that moment where we, where we understand that there are pieces of like, I I, I did not understand this until I had walked through it. It's like you said, and until you walk through it, it's hard to understand how you, my brain just processes the world differently from what other people's brains process it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I mean, I, I don't even know that I've ever shared this publicly, um, at all. So I, I guess here we go. We'll put it out there, <laughs> put it out there now. Uh, I was diagnosed with um, generalized anxiety disorder back in the fall of 2019. And there was a part of me that was relieved to have that diagnosis because it was like, oh, here are answers for why I have been feeling this way. And then there was a part of me that was immediately like, I'm not going to tell anybody about that because it was like, you be, I don't want to become 
my disorder and even calling mm-hmm. it a disorder feels odd to me, if that makes sense. Like yeah, it almost feels yeah. like from then on, if you say it, then when you walk up, there's like a sign over your head, like, yes. oh, anxiety I, disorder girl, yes. you know? Yes. Like, like here's the girl with the anxiety disorder and look at like, oh, she's, oh, look at how high functioning she is and on the inside. It's like, but everything feels like it's, it's off. And my, you know, and I remember even, you know, my husband is someone who's not necessarily struggled with that in his life as much. And so, you know, even for us as, as a, um, as a couple learning, uh, you know, for him to be that support and for him to understand, wow, you know, and I always say like, your brain really just, it doesn't function like that. Like, what is that like? Because my brain is, this is what my brain does, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in this situation, whatever it is. Um, and I remember, um, my, you know, even my counselors saying, you know, and, I think we talked about this on a, on a previous episode when we were talking about brain development and, and anger and sort of that, you know, where we get that um, reactive, you know, rush. And so, you know, she was talking about how she said, Amanda, you, your brain, like, it's like when we see a bear in the forest and your, your brain goes, there's a bear in front of me and you're immediately going, okay, there's a bear in front of me. How do I react? What do I do? And, and so your brain just starts going through all of these situations And she said, your brain sees everything as a bear. Mm -hmm. And I remember going, oh my gosh, it does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it made so much sense, you know? And it's, so it's like, as I've, as I've learned myself more about um, anxiety disorders and just, and, and looking at my mental health, mental health challenge disorder, what insert, whatever terminology you want to call it as working with it and not against it and working with my body and, and, you know, looking at it, I'm still, I don't know, in full, full transparency, I don't know that I've looked at it like it's a gift yet. I don't think I'm there with it in my, my journey of it, you know? Um, And you can probably say the same thing for your panic attacks. Like there, you know, like, and then times when we've experienced that, like Mm -hmm. it's hard in the moment, you know, to, to look at it like, oh, this is my body's trying to, my body is trying to alert me to something that it thinks is a threat, you know? Um, but looking at everything as a threat and everything as a, well, what if this happens and what if that happens? You know, I'm waking up with that sense of absolute dread, like somebody's punched you in the gut before you even know what the day holds. Yes. Yes. Um, that's, you know, I have, I have anxiety issues too. I mean, it's all kind of a, a big ball of, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that you, yeah. that you're dealing with. Yeah. And, and, you know, if I had a superpower, it would be like uh worst scenario yes. Yes. <laughs> girl. Oh, worst case scenario, girl, here she that's comes. Right. And every scenario ends like when I was working at the church, every scenario ended with they're going to fire me and we're going to be homeless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every scenario and how will I feed my children yeah one of the things that um always I don't know why this brought me such peace Mm -hmm. and and you know mamas never know exactly what piece of wisdom is going to come out of their mouths that's going to that's really going to like stick you know I think so many things are just like throwing spaghetti at the refrigerator right Mm -hmm. I don't know why you would throw spaghetti at the refrigerator but (laughs) You know, one day after I had had a panic attack, sometimes my mom would just come and get in bed with me and Mm -hmm. just lay with me when I was having a panic attack. Like my husband would call her and I don't know what to do. Um, But, um, you know, one day I voiced that to her, I'm going to lose my job and I'm not going to be able to feed my children, blah, 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 blah. And my mom said, Rebecca, 
if I got a penny, you got a penny, mm-hmm. you know, and just having somebody to say, you have a safety net. Yeah. We're not, this is, this is, we're yeah. in it together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, for me, that brought such peace. And I think you bring up such a good point because um, when I went through several years of panic attacks, and I like to say I'm in recovery from that now, it's it's still always something that's in the back of my mind, as I'm sure it is for you. We t- I know it is because we talk about it, you know, uh, a lot. Um, we're still, you know, it's still a part of our lives, but it's not as much of a part of our lives as it, as it was. But we still have to be mindful, you know, of of it. But um, I remember when I was... I, just in the throes of it. Like I I could not walk into a Walgreens. I could not walk in. I mean, grocery stores, Walmart, big department stores, that was an absolute no for me. And I I would have to have someone with me to like even walk into a public place. But I remember I was going into a Walgreens one time and and you were talking about this earlier when you're talking about what it feels like to have a panic attack. It's like the entire time I was in there, I was in there just to get like one or two things. It should have just been an in and out and the whole time I was in there going, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Like I just had to continuously tell my body you're okay. You know, because my mind was going "We're we're not, we're not okay in here. We're not okay. You know, and it should have just taken a few minutes, but, and that is, that is still years later ingrained in my thought process, you know, of like having to sort of go through, you know, uh, what calms my body, what calms my mind in those situations. And, and, And maybe we'll get to that, or maybe that'll be another episode at some point. But as you were talking about that, it made me think about our spouses that go through this with us, our friends, um, you know, my own children. And I know you have had this happen too. You know, my girls have seen me have a panic attack before and to try to talk with them very openly about what this is and, you know, um, you know, that our bodies will respond physically sometimes to what our brains are, are, you know. Uh, are, are trying to comprehend in the moment and all of that. And but sometimes we don't know how to help someone. Sometimes we we want to help. And even you saying that about your mom, it's a reminder, I think, that sometimes you don't necessarily have the right words to say to someone. Mm-hmm. But it is just being there, being present, being that reminder that says, hey, you're you're not going to drown because I'm not going to let you. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't matter how bad this gets. I remember my friend, uh, Jenna, I, this was a couple, well, it's, probably, it's been a couple years back. Um, and I left work one day and I went and got in my car and I was having a panic attack. And she happened to call me at the same time I was having a panic attack. And everybody's panic attacks are different. Normally I, for me, I, I usually, I couldn't talk. Like it was, you know, I had to sort of come down off of them before I could even speak. And I remember she just kind of said, like, are you having an attack? And I just kind of mouthed like, you know, yes. And she said, um, sorry, I don't know why that makes me so emotional. I don't think I've ever cried on this podcast. Sorry. She said, I can't, I can't stop this from happening to you, but I'll stay with you through it. And I think if we don't do anything for anybody else in terms of mental health or, or helping them is just to say, I don't understand this. I don't understand why you're going through this. I don't understand. I don't even know how to help, but I will stay with you through this, you know, mm-hmm. just like, and that's what your mom was doing for you. I will stay like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how this ends or how it goes or or whatever, but 
like I, I will, I'll be there no matter what. And I think if, if anything, we just sit with people in their pain or in their moments of pain or anxiety or depression, and we just offer to be there, to be present and to say, you're not going to go anywhere. I, I'm here. And I, I might not have all the right words to say, but I'm, I'm with you, you know? Sometimes the right words to say are no words. Just just be there. You know, just in, be a presence in in the madness. Um, it's, it's oftentimes what I would need. My mom would just rub my arm. And Gavin learned eventually um, because he is so laid back. Like, you know, an atomic bomb could be dropped like in the next town over. And Gavin would be like, eventually he'd be like 15 minutes later, Gavin would be like, I think maybe we should you know, pack a bag and maybe get out of town. I don't know, guys. What do you think? You know, like he is just, just that person. But I think also we give other illnesses um, and other conditions um, unconditional support, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's sometimes I think maybe we don't, give mental health disorders the unconditional support that they deserve yeah um you know and that that includes you know um i would say that that includes substance abuse and 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 that sort of thing oh yeah Um, which can fall under that people often you know abuse to 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 medicate um but there was a, a the one of the worship leaders um from louis giglio's um passion church and i don't think it's called passion church but i can't remember what the name of it was yeah yeah i know he was on a a, yeah it is called passion church but anyway he was on a podcast the other day that i was listening to and he was uh, confessing that he had uh, he was an alcoholic and that it had come in his adulthood you Mm know um and he said there came a point in my marriage uh that my wife said you need help um and and then there came a point that I had to tell Louie mm-hmm. and, um, and he said, I approached him and said, I need, I need to tell you something. And the words that Louis Giglio said to him was, there's nothing you can tell me that will make me love you less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, and that is how he's operated the whole way walking me through this. Mm-hmm. He said that he, he has not just said the words, that is how he has treated me that yeah. he doesn't love me any less. And I think that is something that the church has got to to learn. We, 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 we often say, I love you. And there's a, but at the end of it, mm-hmm. I love you, but you know, you need to get this right. Or I love you, but that's a sin. I love you, but yeah, look, there are so many butts in the world, Yeah, um, you know, and some of them are big butts, right. But we just need to learn for for but not to be an option in our lives. Yeah. I love you, period. Yep. Ups and downs. I love you. Hey friends, it's Amanda here. Hopping in to let you know that this is where we're going to pause this episode for part one uh, for this series as we look at mental health in the church. We hope it's been a helpful conversation for you so far. I hope it's also been encouraging to you. Um, If you are someone 
who lives with a mental health challenge yourself, or maybe you love someone who does in part two of the next episode, where we'll look more at this topic again, we'll focus more on some practical things that your church can do and ways that you can respond um, to someone and, and help someone who is living with a mental health challenge. So be sure to come back and stick around for part two as we continue this conversation on looking at mental health and the church. We'll see you next time, friends.